Point hammers intended for an immature audience. So if you're easily offended, you best get the step in. But if you'd like to stay, let's, let's get, get hammered. hammered. Gang, this is episode 60, Point Hammered. <laughs> we got uh, the bastard here, Raj here, and we have a special guest, Mr. Ben Coy from the UK. <laughs> yeah, our second attempt at an episode with Ben here, so that's what this one comes out. That must be the curse. Yeah, yeah we'll see after this. <laughs> might be. We'll see. I think Cosmic Forces came down last time and snatched it off my hard drive. <laughs> yeah, that or you overrode it with fucking pornography. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds much more feasible. <laughs> 50-50, yeah. Either weird alien spirit or porn. 50 50 What have you been up to in the hobby? Um, so recently, I've been doing loads of painting. I've, for some reason, I can't stop buying four-drilled stuff, so I've got a toad dragon. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's twice as expensive, and you can't use it in any of your games, but I still, buy <laughs> still go out and buy it. I've got the um, the Tamakin toad dragon, which is a lovely figure, and I saw it cheap on the internet, so it's like, I'll have one of them. Don't know what I'll have uh, it on, but I bought it anyway. Um, so I've been painting him. He's a bit of a bit intimidating, really. Such a big figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been painting that. I've had picked up the the Forge World Skin Wolf. Did you guys see this uh, Adapticon, or did you not go for the the Forge World line? I seen it floating around. Mm-hmm. A couple of people had it on them. It's a nice figure. Um, I'm quite impressed by it. Although again, it's it doesn't really fit into any of the any of the armies I play. Or I just thought I'd buy it and paint it up and you know content for the show and all that. Can't mm-hmm. squeak them into that dark elf list somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I could give it a go. I thought about having a pack of them as a hydra. Huh? But yeah. well, there you go. That'd be pretty awesome. I suppose that mean using a hydra again, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and I've got some plague toads as well, which are sort of on the painting table. These new inks, have you been using them, the new Games Workshop paints? No. I've picked them up, but I haven't gotten a chance to use them yet. So I've been using, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the damn thing, Beal Tan <laughs> Green, which is the equivalent of the old Thracker Green, and then yeah. mm-hmm. Etonian Camo Shade, which is like a, a darker green. It's as if you've mixed um, some devil and mud in with the old green wash, and they're, they're really nice. And what I do like about them, which I've not heard anyone mention before, and I've only found out recently painting these big figures, is when you used to use like a big tank brush and you were put, slapping the ink on like you do over all, all the model, it'd often froth mm-hmm. up. It, you'd be bubbly. Yeah. And yeah, it, I remember that. It doesn't do that at all, which I'm, I'm quite pleased with because it used to do my head in. Okay. They've yeah, taken that's... the froth out. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I had some bad luck with that when I was doing like blood effects on Minotaur. Some of them, if you look at the hands, you still see all the bubbles in the blood that I painted like on. like a little there. weird yeah. circles. Yeah. Yeah, that, so I used to have an beautiful. issue with that. Um, but no, it's totally gone. As far as I've seen with them two colors anyway, um, sure, not getting that effect. Mm-hmm. So the frogs are looking good? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I'm quite happy with them. It's quite a quick paint job um, compared to results. You, you know what I mean? I've not, not spent a lot of time on it yet. Just a few, four, three or four layers of different colored inks to get the sort of greeny brown effect. Um, and then I'm now picking out the detail. They're about half done so far. Um, I'm, it's, I'm tempted to do a Nurgle army. I don't know, maybe <laughs> Nurgle, Nurgle demons or Nurgle chaos warriors or something. They are, mm-hmm. they are quite nice figures. It'd be lovely to use them. If you do that, I was just digging through mountains of uh, Reaper miniatures, and they got some really cool... 
like grossly oversized, just big, greasy, nurgle-looking fat dudes that you could use as unit fillers in Marauder or something like that. Oh, nice. So what's that? Reaper Whiskers. Yeah. I don't know if you guys you guys get those in the UK. Yeah. You can, well, it's the internet, isn't it? You get them from anywhere. So uh, yeah, sure. I, okay. I can check them out. Reaper Minis. Yeah, here. Down there. I think they're like Texas-based okay. in the U.S., but no, he doesn't need to use those. He's got the Toad Dragon, dude. <laughs> it's like a 7x7 seven seven unit filler. You know, it's like 50 Marauders. It doesn't come with a base, and I've been trying to look at what sort of base to put it on. It it doesn't fit on the Arachnorock Spider base. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even nearly. So then you go up, and it's like one of them with a chariot base on the side of it, and mm, it might do. But basically, it's, you're looking at like a 200 mil square. Um, it's not... <laughs> It's a big boy. <laughs> I think you should put it on a 50 by 50, have like a giant rock shooting up from the bottom of it, <laughs> yes. and then kind of just mount it on there. That would be amazing. What I thought was just um, putting it on a Use massive like a... base and saying it's a unit of chosen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 25 if you put on chosen. a 50 by 50, you could call it a chaos spawn. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, need to put lots of weird little wound counters on there. You call it a unit of chosen. <laughs> how do you know how many are left? <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Um, yeah. We've got a tournament coming up um, called Warhammer Achievements. It's, uh, they took a lot of influence from you guys, actually. We had Steve Wren on the show, and he said he'd listened to your Warpacker coverage, and he, uh, he decided to go and do his own sort of crazy Warhammer-themed tournament. Excellent. And he saw my photo of the Toad Dragon and said, you've got to bring it. It doesn't matter what you use it as, just make sure <laughs> it's in your army. So I'm aiming for, I think that is two weeks away. Um, some, yeah, 2nd of June, I think that is. So I've got a bit, bit of painting to do on that one. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Can you take an army with the Laura Beast? Because you could take just a level one and then just keep it on hand in case you roll the transformation of Kadan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that is a good idea, actually. Rock. Yeah. Um, just keep it on your display. Like, it's part of the army, dude. <laughs> got to count it for painting. Yeah, that'll mean taking an army with the Laura Beast, I suppose. <laughs> I've got Dark Elves and Chaos Dwarfs on the go at the moment, so that's not, uh, not for either of them. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what do you guys okay, well, Yeah, we got a tournament coming up. Next. Uh, a week from now, yeah, it's a 3,000-point Midwest Rampage. It's not using the Grand Army rules, so you're stuck with the two rares, three specials. Um, we're both going to be using lists similar to our Adepticon 3K list. The one change I'm going to do is I'm swapping out a Tree Man Ancient for the Wood Elf special characters, Nastra and Arahan, the twins. So I've been converting up uh, sort of an eagle with these two models on it. And I pretty much just finished it today. It ended up looking pretty cool. I took the Wood Elf Stag and then I added the um, Fargeist wings to it. And I put a pickup on the Magnificent Bastards blog, but I actually went back and filled in all the holes in his ragged-ass wings, yeah. kind of <laughs> restored to life. And then I actually got two the two riders decently posed. It looks pretty cool. I oh. thought they'd look pretty lame on there, since I kind of just had Glaygard models. But I did have some Wild Riders, so I used a lower torso of a Wild Rider and put a Glaygard top on that one. And she's kind of riding the, you know, kind of the neck area. And then one of the Glaygard legs is kind of... Interesting, interestingly posed. I can't describe it, but it's not stock. It's kind of got its back leg up and it's kind of forward in like a half step. And with that, I was able to make it look like she's kind of standing on kind of the one of the wings, wing muscles. And one's shooting one way, one's shooting the other way. It looks pretty cool. So I'm going to be, be painting that up. We'll be a, I'll the be the week. judge of this because I've heard trash talk about how you didn't think these guys were going to look cool for like two weeks now. <laughs> so I'm looking at the photos now. Um, I've listened to your 
your previous episode 69 was it the previous show or 59 59 yeah. um so i listened to that this morning while i was doing the gardening uh, I, <laughs> I heard you talking about doing this conversion i was wondering how the wings would look with the stag model and how they'd compare in size it works quite well doesn't it actually it's the yeah the the perfect size and the wings uh the wing style really matches the the dark pegasi the more time model which i use for like my, my i've used them as warhawk riders and eagles but the, that style of wing kind of with the spikes and the just the way that they do the wing it matches really well with that so it should be cool um, I, I might have to steal this idea i quite like the quite how it looks <laughs> i've been playing the hell stag i've been playing dark the UK. I've been playing the dark elves recently with um, a few pegasus riders um like five and um <laughs> yeah two, two dreadlords and three heroes um so i've had to make some more models try and make them all look a bit different so they're not all the same and i've used the the marathi pegasus wings on one of the armored metal cold ones that one worked quite well but i was trying to think oh, what my cool. next next one would be but quite like the idea of that yeah yeah and actually i was kind of on the fence with you know because you could have easily just leave the antlers off and just put like a massive unicorn horn on there and just have it be this burly unicorn like it's close <laughs> enough to like a horse and the dark elf pegasus is kind of a weird looking cat anyways compared to a horse yeah so yeah i definitely got some options with it so have you played any played any games with it yet <sighs> well, we were supposed to play one today. We had it planned for like, what was it, 4 o'clock this afternoon or 6 o'clock, and then we finally have a super beautiful day, so we decided to cancel. <laughs> the first nice Sunday in Wisconsin yeah. for six months. So, yeah, looking forward to, to trying it out. In some ways, it, it'll be pretty useful, I think, with the just eliminating. Hopefully, I'll play a lot of Toughness 3 on armored opponents <laughs> for the stone thrower template, but just the losing the Ancient with the annoying and netlings power wise it's probably going to be more useful to have the ancient just because there's always some character that can kill tree men pretty easily so i'm kind of worried about that um but i don't know we'll see see how it goes i did like your comments on the last show about using it as a bit of a tank so they can only do so many wounds in one phase before it all comes back again yeah interesting way of using your two wood elf lords (laughs) (laughs) yeah in some ways it kind of works out similarly maybe the ancient and a challenge because like i know johnny's beast lord with a sword of might and if they get a couple wild forms off he can reliably put a couple wounds on a tree man each turn yeah but i know that fucker he's only got four attacks is that right johnny that's right so if i could somehow get the chicks in a challenge with them unless he goes frenzy that turn because <laughs> of the primal fury it's impossible dude you got to do six wounds do you not get the, uh, the zombie factor though of once it's in you can't throw anything else in to support it because you'll be giving away five combat res every turn yeah <laughs> he hasn't thought this through <laughs> I'm going to get them stubborn somehow, and then they'll just hang out all day. I'll worry about that prom when it happens. <laughs> all right, well, what I've been working on. Finished up the third Reichland Ogre. That shit's on the Magnificent Panther blog. Turned out pretty cool. Standard bear. Yeah, looks cool. Pretty sick of working on that shit. I think the most tedious part about it is working on stupid plastic hard swords and shit like that. It takes forever to get it just to look halfway decent, and by then I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going with it. I see you've embellished him with the facial hair that you wish you could have. <laughs> Fuck off, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> if that was the case, I'd give him a nice big pompadour. <laughs> um, finished up all the blues on the Bull Ogre slash Gorbold BSB, so now I'm ready to do the freehand on the banner. And once I get that done, I should be able to finish that model up in just like a week, because that's the part I'm dreading. It's going to take fucking super hours on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a, probably about eight or nine broken models from Adepticon that I got to repair before next weekend's tournament, so I have to break that shit out and get on that, too. Um 
I've been thinking about doing Chaos Warriors, so I got the bright idea to go down to the game store. I spent just over an hour sifting through. He's got over 800 Reaper blisters on the wall. So I just sat there and dug through those models and pulled out every fighty slash barbarian looking model I could find. And I got 40 or 50 different unique Reaper models to use as a <laughs> unit of Marauders in a as yet unstarted Chaos Warrior army. <laughs> so Chaos Mortals army. So he's giving me a fucking screen and deal on them so I had to buy I had to buy 50 just had nice. to yeah. Of yeah this is like the fucking nerd crack you can't say no to it fucking <laughs> see what I ever end up doing with those but I was just digging through them some of them are super super cool and then for any listeners interested you can probably pick those up on eBay from Johnny about six months yeah. from now <laughs> screaming <he's> deal <laughs> hey, what the hell was that I think whole unit of marauders <laughs> I was thinking about picking up the uh is that damn it? There's one of the Bane Lords. Looks like a Marauder standard bear, so I might pick that guy up to use as the unit standard. And then there's one other. There's like a fighty Bane Lord chick at, that Maelstrom Games has. So I was thinking about picking up just to stick in the unit too. I think mm-hmm. they also do a Viking model, don't they? With like a, a double-handed axe over over the shoulder, swinging. So it's quite a nice figure. One of the guys on the Bad Dice forums is painting it up at the moment. Um, I didn't know it was actually a Bane Lord's one until where. <laughs> got it it didn't didn't seem to suit the the range um it, it's like proper like like yeah. real scale yeah, yeah i've seen that too is that's why i didn't pick it because a lot of these reaper models are so oddly proportioned and normally proportioned human would look really <laughs> out of place in the unit <laughs> so just back to your um reichland ogre i'm looking at the photo sure. i'm a, i'm a hopeless green stuffer i can't do this stuff like <laughs> this is well out of my league so any tips <laughs> I got a I got a post on there if you go back through the blog about like which tools to get and how to do some simple green stuff effects you might start there um Really, you just have to start by getting the right tools, though. I think if you're going to do something like that Reichland Ogre with those big puffy clothes on, they make these color and clay shapers. If you've heard about those, they're just like soft tip sculpting tools. And those things are just insanely good. Everybody I, I tell about them that picks them up is like, oh, my God, dude. It's one of the best purchases mm-hmm. I've ever made for modeling and sculpting and shit. So I think you can get them through like dickblick.com. I'm sure you get them through other places, too. But it might be a little bit pricey. They sell three different sizes of them. So I just bought them all at one point and um super solid mm-hmm. okay so that other, helps a lot go ahead sorry the right tools yeah that's that's the first step and then once you got the right tools you also you know you also need like a little spade tip and a narrow tip and a point tip like i don't know if they're old dental tools or if they're intended for sculpting or what i picked them up probably a decade ago so i really don't remember where i even got them anymore but I, there's pics of the ones i most frequently use on the magnificent bastards blog if you just click the hastings link and search back uh, through my posts but then once you get the right tools it's just about practicing man try and find something that looks like what you want to accomplish maybe it's a, a bit of fur maybe it's puffy sleeves on a fucking ogre <laughs> and then just mm-hmm. poke around with the putty and keep trying it to get it to look right yeah if it doesn't look right the first time cannot don't leave it afraid. on there cannot yeah. be afraid to just cut it off and try it again if you don't think the second time always turns out about three or four times better than the first <clears throat> and if you keep going it, it definitely gets easier <laughs> <laughs> okay so what you're saying is it's, it's practice and hard work i can't just buy a quick tip <laughs> off the internet <laughs> <laughs> not if you want to be good at it <laughs> don't i think there's a ten thousand hour rule that applies to everything humans can get good at <laughs> sculpting falls under the ten thousand hour category <laughs> so yeah other than that 
been packaging up a bunch of stuff for the podcast. Our Black Dice finally came in, so anybody that was on the list for that has by now received emails. A bunch of Black Dice going out soon. Are these the same mm-hmm. as the set I've had? The black uh, yeah, I think we got... Yeah. They're the exact same. We had so many requests for them. I had I ran out and had to get another batch of 200 made, which now I think I got about 50 left, so I might not end up with any for myself again. <laughs> I'm going to have to fucking order some more. Plenty of white ones. We've got a supplier in the UK that does a, does a good job of doing dice. They're quite cheap oh, yeah. and normally a quick turnaround. But their the main business is like custom cut dice and the laser cutters broke. And they said they're not, oh. not replacing it till the end of June. Um, it's just, it sounds like madness to me if you've got if that's your business and you've not got a laser cutter to do what your business is. <laughs> Man, they're, they're going on holiday. <laughs> yeah, so bad dice. Dice are offline at the moment. Quick turnaround would be awesome because over here we go through Chessex. They're best price and they're the best to work with. But the turnaround is like fucking two months or something. It's insane. And yeah. I guess it's just they got so many orders backed up. I've used so. Chessex before and I got pasted on the um, delivery costs, obviously posting to overseas to the UK. Yeah. And also I got pasted on customs charges when they, <laughs> when they uh, decided <laughs> to tax me an additional right. amount, another 30 quid on, on the cost. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> that shit. Yeah. yeah, I think over here it's just like 10 or 12 bucks postage and then it's like depending on how many you get, 60 or 70 cents per die. So works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. But uh, all right, let's fucking move on, man. Okay. How long have you been in the hobby, Ben? Um, I started um, around the time of the, the Pink Dark Elf book, the one with the naked chick on the front. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's one of my first. Yeah. Wandered, first wanks. <laughs> wandered randomly into a store, saw it on the shelf, and it's like, okay, that's me done then for the next 15 years. So, yeah, about, about 15 years. Um, maybe a bit more, actually. So, back when I was at school, back, back when I was a nipper, I did the whole thing what everyone seems to do is get into it when you're a kid, drift away when you discover chicks and booze. Yeah. <laughs> Get it, how get many uh, how many plastic dark elf swordsmen did you pick up at the same time when you got the book? <laughs> the, the single pose? Yeah, I've got a box of them somewhere. All the original paint jobs and <laughs> lying around. <laughs> that shit's classic, man. You used, to, used to be able to get ten of them for twelve fifty US. Yeah, proper proper cheap. Um, even mm-hmm. all the lead stuff used to be cheap as well. I've been replacing all my original dark elves recently. I'm doing a my current projects a dark elf army using it like the the third edition. Second edition, so I've got even first edition. I think first edition Warhammer had some cold one nights and the odd Dark Elf model. Um, using all them, but the uh, the best ones are that range of that that year of Dark Elves with when that book came out. First edition of the the Dark Elf Army book with the crossbowmen and the witch elves and the executioners mm-hmm. that were only available at games day. I've managed to pick a lot of them up in the Black Guard. So that's that's you my, do have some of them, really. Yeah, I've got twenty one of the games day only executioners from nineteen ninety five. Uh, they were hard to come by and cost a fair penny. Um, <laughs> I've got a load yeah, of the Black Guard. The Black Guard are fairly common, but you do you'd have to pay for them. They're on they're on eBay quite often. Um, and I've got loads mm-hmm. of crossbowmen and the single pose swordsmen and all the metal spearmen. Yeah. So when you started, um, do you have some cronies that also started with you? And are any of them still playing? Yeah. So I started um, playing at the Games Workshop store. So none of my none of my friends came into the hobby with me. But obviously, I made a lot of new friends through the hobby. Um, and then mm-hmm. when I sort of stepped out, um, had a four or five year break, and then got back in, a lot of the guys were either still playing or got in at the same time. So like Ben Johnson, who I used to do the show with, he was he was um, a guy who I knew from back in the day. Um, and there was a good good Warhammer scene in Derby at the time. There were Derby's where I live in the UK. Um, at the mm-hmm. time, the local game, um, like the games club, was at 
like a working men's club on a Wednesday night. And if you didn't get <laughs> if you didn't get there for like seven o'clock, um, you wouldn't get a table and there'd be like eighty, eighty, ninety guys every week playing. Not just Warhammer. <laughs> various <laughs> games. Um uh-huh. so Derby had a really good scene. Um and then we, the venue moved, and within one week, it went down to 40, just because we moved out of the town centre and people couldn't be bothered to get two buses or didn't want to drive to the rough part of town's <laughs> park. And, and then it sort of dwindled, and now the, the club in Derby's not, not that great at all. It's still there, it's still going along. I was chairman for a while, um, but eventually... Chairman, whoa. Yeah, but it got to the stage where if you, if you didn't do it yourself, nothing got done. Uh-huh. So it was a case of I wanted the venue moving because it was rubbish, and I wanted to buy some terrain because the old, old terrain was rubbish and it's basically when it came up to vote for a new committee i put myself forward as chairman um ben johnson put himself forward as treasurer so between us we sort of got the club back on its feet for a while um sure. yeah but and then it, you fleece them <laughs> <laughs> it'd have been nice uh, it gets to the stage where you get fed up of if you everything wants doing you have to do it yourself you just get fed up of people not taking an interest so uh, we both stepped out at the same time and it's like well it's still going now i think but i don't know how popular it is it's still still getting 20 30 people a week and it's running two two club nights a week as well mm-hmm. uh yeah that's that same attitude i get from some of my co-podcasters on occasion <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what about ahead. your local areas the gaming clubs and that or is it like oh, each no. other's houses or anything like that there's literally two of us that play fantasy and then there's the bear who he lives about half an hour away but i don't know he's not too dedicated and certainly wouldn't come out to play a game and then there's the legend who i don't know he's around but i never really see him that's why he's the legend i guess so <laughs> we could drive like 30 minutes north and there's a decent warhammer scene up in wausau wisconsin yeah um but as far as there's a decent 40k scene here in town because there's a college so you draw out all these college boys but who wants to be around that yeah there really isn't like a regular fantasy gaming night um i'm sure there's basement players in the area but we don't, we don't really get to play <laughs> yeah. with them come out of their caves <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not much to say. Although our local game store now is apparently gonna move in and start serving food and have like a proper game club area. So maybe we'll try and make something happen when that goes down. Yeah, he's talking about regular monthly kind of tournaments. Oh yeah, or you know like three games, everybody chips in five bucks, just give it back as credit kind of thing. Sure. So that that could be fun. Yeah, if we could get ten or fifteen dudes to participate every time, which <laughs> well, be happy with six. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I kind of forget how lucky I am um, living where I do with my hobby because it's thirty minutes to Warhammer World from my house. <laughs> um, so that's obviously a massive. Um, they've got a massive hall there. They could fit. I think it's 160 gamers. Um, it's the Warhammer doubles this weekend, so there'll be there'll be more than 200 playing in the doubles event. Jesus. Oh. Um, yeah. Then. So you're talking about 40 or 50 people for a regular club night, like. We can't even fathom it. Like yeah. that's like a decent-sized tournament for us. <laughs> yeah. So. And then a bit, a bit further from me um, is Maelstrom Games. So obviously you know what they've got there—the either Storm venue with the regular tournaments. Um, two, I think two week nights a week they have a gaming night. Um, so mm-hmm. multi multi system. So you're not just stuck to the Games Workshop games. Um, uh, yeah. A big Flames of War following, big Malifaux following. So yeah, I am I am pretty spoiled. Um, but we play we play at Warhammer World on a Tuesday, and there's always a regular turnout. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So, so that's your regular gaming night? Is every Tuesday you get out? Yeah, every Tuesday, Warhammer World. Um, and in Derby, if I want... To be honest, locally, I could go out every night if, if I was... <laughs> 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 if I was that keen. And I may or may not have done that in the past. Um, <laughs> if you ever... I could go mon- Monday night at Derby, Tuesday night at Warhammer World, um, or Maelstrom. Wednesday night, uh, Warhammer World again is a club night. Um, Thursday, I could go Derby... Or Maelstrom <laughs> or Warhammer World. I think it's just Friday nights where um, I'm not not entirely sure. So, but I mean, as as for Games Workshop stores, there's within a half an hour drive, there's uh, half a dozen stores. So there's plenty plenty of gaming in the area. Wow. Nice. Yeah, that would be awesome. So if you become unemployed, I think we know what you'll be doing. <laughs> Driving around hustling. Games stores, hustling. Yeah. <laughs> hustling. <laughs> Fifty bucks next game. Bro. <laughs> All right. So we've been going for a half hour. Let's uh just take a little break. Let's hit it. So is that the Dark Elf Army, the first one that you completely painted a whole army worth? Yeah, I, I started with Dark Elves and Ultramarines, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> In a Games Workshop store, you're not going to get away with that playing 40k. Um, <laughs> and then I've never really done another army other than the Dark Elves. Well, I've, I've had I've had goes at them. I've played Lizardmen for a while, um, played Skaven for a long time. But they've always been, played them for a year or so, sold them on, um, and then returned to the Dark Elves. The Dark Elves, I've, I've never got rid of. I've always, I've still got the models that I started with with the Dark Elves. Uh, everything <laughs> That's awesome. Else, everything else, and I've added to it over the year. The, the army I'm playing with at the moment, I've painted when the current book came, which was um, 2008, summer of 2008 that one came out. So I painted that army up for then, and it's sort of, it's looking a bit tired now. I need a new project, which is why I'm on the Chaos Dwarves. Um, but <laughs> I'll probably go back to Dark Elves again. <laughs> well, those are Forge World models. That's what, that's what you're using, I assume, the new Forge World? Yeah, what are you using? Chaos yeah, Wars? I'm using the Forge World. Um, at the moment, I'm, I've not even wrote a list, and I'm not looking at what I want 
model um sorry rules wise <laughs> i'm just going for the the units i like i'm painting, oh. <laughs> painting yeah. some infernal guard i'm going for like 40 of them get the horde of them going um and then one of each war machine and then i'll start looking at how it all fits together i think okay yeah they those those models were floating about about adepticon quite a bit and they are just stunning every one of them i saw was pretty awesome mm-hmm. so i've kind of had, gonna... i've kind of had my spirit broken though so there's a guy called <laughs> sam moore who is um Edimon on some of the forums and he's quite a good painter he had a lovely tomb king army which won the best army award at the european team championships last year and i've seen that he's painting a new chaos dwarf army to bring this year to the european <laughs> championships in the same color scheme that i'm doing and miles, <laughs> miles better than what i'm doing even though i think my chaos dwarfs are possibly the nicest things i've painted um and yeah it is miles better and it sort of broke me i don't really i can't look at them the same way anymore <laughs> Hey, ten thousand uh, hour rule, man. Just gotta keep practicing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Are you gonna? I haven't looked at the list for a while. Are you gonna utilize any green scans in the list? Are they worth worth it at all? Um, I think the hobgoblins sort of cheap on mass. You know what I mean? Big, big, steadfast um, units that can hold around for a while might be all right. Um, but my my thinking of what I, I'd see the list playing like at the moment is I'd like I'd like the Kadar Destroyer, which is obviously the big monster, which goes out and upsets people because it's got ridiculous rules. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind a character on a Bale Taurus, but I don't actually think it's going to be competitive enough because people just cannonball it off. Um, mm-hmm. But it might be if you're running you're running the Kadai. Um, and the Bale Taurus, and I wouldn't mind two units of um, Bull Centaurs, sort of like eight strong each, because they're quite resilient. They, they don't take a lot of damage. They don't put masses mm-hmm. out because they've only got, I think they've only got two attacks each. Yeah. So I kind of envision three or four war machines, um, the solid combat of the the um, Bull Centaurs, and then the double flank of the the two monsters, one at one side, one up the other. Um, that's kind of my thinking, because people will have to come at the firebase. So if you've got the war machines together, the Infernal Guard, and all your characters all in one place and um, people are going to mm-hmm. aim for that your your bull centaurs to sort of take the charge the monsters to come in the flanks but obviously i've, I've, I've literally stayed away from writing a list because i know what'll happen i'll, I'll look at what's best and i'll, I'll go out and buy three <laughs> magma cannons and um throw all the stuff that i've already started painting in the bin um so <laughs> what i reckon is if I, if I paint um go for 40 hobgoblins getting painted and um, and then take it from there so i, I don't know okay. you can still run what, mo- what models would you use i think i'd try and get some of the uh, the dogs of war ones um or the, the the hobgoblin ones you know the um because you get the ride you get them on the wolf riders as well uh, okay yeah, yeah. so i go for the, the sneaky gates um but i'd use the the new space wolf um Fenrisian wolves because they look really nice they're, they're a bit more dynamic uh, oh yeah yeah i've seen a couple yeah, of the orc and goblin players in the uk uh, running their the goblin riders on the new wolves mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah they look they're awesome it looks like they even left some of the fur kind of matted down to add a rider on it. Mm, yeah, they look good. Okay. How many armies ha- have you painted? Would you say? Oh man, since um, since the beginning. I've done <laughs> I've done three dark elf armies, and I'm on a four. Um, I'm on my chaos dwarves. I've done wood elves, lizard men, skaven. Um, I had a tomb king army bought. I bought a painted tomb king army, um, but then sort of went over that and re-highlighted. Uh, I think that's about it. I might have done another. I've got a high elf army half done, uh, and that's about mm. ten. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, my 
I've got a War Machine army painted. I've only ever painted the one for the for War Machine, um, and I've painted a 40k um, Ultramarine. I've done two Ultramarine armies. Um, <laughs> yeah, about about 12. So I'd, I'd say sort of one every year and a half for the time I've been playing. Sort of, oh, it's not nice. bad. I, I think a rule of thumb: if you if you paint paint an army, play with it for a year, then while you're playing it, paint another. It sort of keeps <laughs> keeps you keen. <laughs> I yeah. think. Oh, I, I, painted, think that way. Um, I painted an ogre yeah. army for eBay as well. Um, mm-hmm. Probably should have. Um, probably should have kept that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you that. Does it seem like all of a sudden one in every three players is rocking ogres these days? <laughs> that's about how it is here. Yeah. So I went to a tournament last weekend, and there was a I think it was 106 players, and 17 of them was ogres. <laughs> uh, nice. I played on day one. I played three three games, three ogre armies, and then. <laughs> then on day two I played Demons in the Morning and then Ogres again so five yeah. games four Ogres then I played Lizardmen last so. that's right you learn how to beat them though right so yeah well I tooled up Two-Face Ogres and Empire because they were, they were playing the new, new Empire list so yeah. something that can beat the monstrous infantry that can take the charge and smash them um, and break them in one round if they charge me that was the plan so I went with the, the Cold One Night unit with 14 of them with two oh, Dreadlords yeah. and two Heroes in there um, nice. <laughs> fully tanked up, and then the rest of the army was sort of a delivery system. So it was two big, two big units of um, spearmen. So no one could steadfast me. They couldn't. They couldn't ch- um, stand in front of me and. Um, take the charge off the knights and get stop me with steadfast because the spearmen mm-hmm. are going at the same time take going away deep, that steadfast yeah. um, yeah. two wizards both on fire um, to get rid of the saber tusk and the little knoblar units um, or things like harpies bungle raiders crap like that that gets in your way just fight yeah. keep fireballing them and a unit crossbowmen to do the same and that was the, basically the plan of shove the because the ogres they've all got six units I don't know what it is with these people um, <laughs> you, <laughs> they need to figure out you don't win games of Warhammer and here's me talking I've got a five unit Dark Elf army but you don't win <laughs> Warhammer tournaments playing with six units because eventually people will just jam you up with crap um, but mm-hmm. to beat the Ogres convincingly you need to do the same match their Death Star with a better one and that's kind of the gamble I took I thought hopefully I won't play Lizard Men I won't play Orcs and Goblins I'll just keep playing Ogres and Empire and I'll be fine and for the most <laughs> part I was until I got I got smashed by an Ogre player who took the risk and he got, got the results and yeah, that was that. <laughs> that was Ben Diesel. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen some tweets about that. Yeah. <laughs> Bastard. Um. Nice. We got a good rapport with those guys. So. Yeah, they're a good bunch, and I like Ben. I had a good game against him. Although during the game, he kept sort of like cheering to himself and then looking around to see who was watching, and then there's no one there. I was like, Ben, <laughs> no one's interested. <laughs> but he, he had his moment in the sun. He was smashing me, and um, I think I was sort of favourite at that point. I'd got the army that beat it, would beat the Ogres, and like every army on the top tables was all Ogres, so um, for him to stop me there, he, he, had a, he was quite happy. He did well. So did Ogres end up taking that tournament overall? No, no. Skaven sneaked in. I think, uh, I think what okay. happened was um, the Ogre, the, Ben Diesel had an illegal list, so got oh. 20 points. It was the 20 so that's minutes. how he beat you, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he, he, took, a, he got, took the points penalty and had to change his list, so 
Um, he was 20 points behind on that, and he had a bad soft scores as well. So he's eight points behind on soft scores. And it's the 20 nil victory point system. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. which ogres just love because, you know what I mean? They play three idiots and just get 20, and it's just easy. It's like, <laughs> it really is. Just shove the Mournfangs forward, and people charge him, and it's just, and they get 20. Um, so, yeah, Ben took his, Ben would have walked it. If he hadn't got the illegal list, he'd have won it um, by a mile. But he, he got 98 battle points from, what, 120. Um, that, but Ben Johnson sneaked in with a Skaven. Um, a decent win on table three in the last round. Um, got in the mm-hmm. first place. But I think it was Ogres in second, um, third, and then there was something like six in the top ten. Okay, wow. Jesus. <laughs> That's a decent showing, but I guess with that many people playing it. Is it, you find everybody's rocking the same list, or is there some variety to it? It depends on the, the Ogres. So at the moment, we're playing the ETC comp. So the Ogres got... They could only take the one Iron Blaster. Uh, okay. Two units of Mournfang. They couldn't take the third. Because the three times four <laughs> Mournfang is pretty tasty. And <laughs> what we're seeing a lot as well is um, three units of two Mournfang. Because in the okay. in the twenty nil system with one hundred and fifty point increments on your, your points, uh, they're, they're what one forty is it for two and a musician? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite nice. Um, but what you tend to see is um, your core is a big iron gut unit maximum that you're allowed under the comp system, which is normally about nine, eight or nine with magic banner plus one leadership, of course. Um, in that unit, you throw your BSB, who's stubborn, sits in the second rank. Uh, you see the slaughtermaster, <laughs> who I think should always be on more. Um, I can see the benefits of death magic, especially when you can use it with a greedy fist. But yeah. the more the more just turns it into something else. With the the re- you get regen off, you get plus one toughness, and they don't go anywhere. Um, Healing wounds. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> the slaughtermaster combo I like, um, and I've I've seen quite a few people using is the fencer's blade. So weapon skill ten, and then the glittering mm-hmm. scales. So you minus one to hit. So a lot of things are hitting him on sixes. Um, even <laughs> even some nasty characters hit him on fives. Um, mm-hmm. Then I don't think you need another character, but if you're running the more slaughtermaster, you can live with that. But you do often see a fire belly. They're quite nice. Um, yeah. Or a level yeah. one or yeah. something. I mean. People are running the beast level one for the wild form, but I I don't know I don't I don't rate it an awful lot. I don't think it it tends to do enough. Um, the reasoning I've heard the ogre players saying is because it gives you the extra, it gives you the 24 inches on the wild form instead of the 12 inches on the the law of the more, great more spells. Is that right? Is it 12 inches on all them? Yeah, mm. I believe so. Yeah, you might be able to 12 inch bubble. So when your more oh, yeah, fangs yeah. go running forward, you can chuck the wild form 24 inches. But I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think you really. <laughs> they don't need it, do they? No. That's fair. <laughs> to go 24 inches, it's like a 13 plus. So the level one, he's got to chuck like four dice yeah. to get it off. You'll get minus one to cast because they're minus one to casting yeah. cost because they're cav or whatever. So yeah. it'll be a 12 then. So you, you're looking at chucking six dice at it and hoping oh, you get yeah. sixes. Um, so then you see what's that so you've got your core which is one unit of iron guts one other unit with a bull six bulls or something your special mm-hmm. which is as many mourn fangs as the comp lets you have <laughs> um, three saber tusk um, an iron blaster and then you've got normally three or four hundred points left um, so it's player's choice really Where, what do you want do you like, really your like se- do you like your thunder tusk or your stone horn or do you want some man eaters in there it, each it, I've got I've sort of said this over the years about most warhammer armies you only need 18 or 1900 points to make it work um, for a sort of a tuned tournament list um, the extra two or three four hundred points you, it, people do different things with like the, the dark elf list that was ruling the roost for a long time was the, the level four the level two a hero 
your 600 in core, Blackguard, Hydra, and then you have another one other unit and one other character, depending on what, what you wanted it to be. Yeah. So it could be a Cold Run Knight unit, could be, I don't know, another Blackguard, Blackguard unit or more Shades. So I, I totally agree with that. If, if most of the list is tight, then you can afford to take a unit of, like, whatever, Warhawk Riders or something that's kind of shitty, like, not that cost-effective, but in the big scheme, you can get away with it if everything else is tight. Yeah. So when I used to play Wood Elves, um, it was the same then. You, you tended to have, like, 400 points, which sort of equated to two two decent-sized units or three small ones. So you'd often see... See, I used to like playing the, the Glade Riders, and people would say, well, why Glade Riders? They're not that good. And it's like, well, they don't need to be. They're, just, they're as good as... You've already got all the good stuff. <laughs> you don't need the, the extra... This is up back in 7th, obviously, so it's a different yeah. kettle of fish now. But, um, yeah, it's, I think it kind of applies to most armies. I think um, someone will always disagree when you're saying it about their army. Um, <laughs> well, I think as a rule of thumb, um, as long as the core, the bulk of the army is the same, you can get away with the, the sort of fruity choices around the edges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, what else we got for questions, Raj? Uh, so you've kept all the Dark Elf armies that you've done, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Some of them I've stripped and repainted, but at the moment I've got... <laughs> oh, um, well, let's measure our Warhammer dick here. <laughs> How many points is it, would you say, all of it? <laughs> oh, I reckon I could easily do 10,000. And <laughs> Rob, Rob Ing from the Two Gamer Radio podcast has been... We've been talking a while. He's got a lot of Skaven, so we've been talking about having a big battle of Dark Elves with uh, Skaven. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> yeah, you got to speed. <laughs> yeah, I got Dwarves, and I got Beastmen, and maybe I could do maybe... 4,000 points of dwarves. <laughs> oh, man. Beastman, I'm you, squeaking out. Maybe about the same, I guess. Remember what you said about 10,000 hours? Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> out to buy in Dark Elves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my issue is everything I fucking, everything I work on takes so damn long to finish, so mm-hmm. I gotta be thinking ahead like two years. Or <laughs> That's the issue with painting, for me anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not quite to that standard. I've seen some of your stuff and it's pretty impressive. Mine's sort of, I'm quite pleased with some of my best stuff. Uh, um, and it gets the odd painting sort of it never, it never gets the awards but it gets the uh, nominations um, yeah so I'm sort of at that level I think but some of my stuff is, is a bit a bit not quite as that good it's just a bit speed painting get it on the table and play yeah I think I mean uh, as a rule as long as you're happy with what you're putting out and if you if your goal is to improve and you feel like you are improving over time then I mean I think that's what what most people should be able to ask for so and should be happy with that and people act like they can just jump in and you know get a couple of tips and be amazing at it but it turns out yeah. <laughs> it comes you gotta out. grind out many hours at that paint table you gotta think Johnny's 10,000 hours <laughs> split over about 7,000 points worth well yeah. you're 10,000 hours you probably have 25,000 points yeah. worth of models <laughs> to account for <laughs> yeah sounds about right yeah and mine started when I was about eight nine years old you know when I started painting <laughs> now I started uh, space marines harlequins and then a, just a bunch of D&D shit back then so. Hero Quest figures with it. I never painted those because I hated them so much. <laughs> Remember painting those fuckers with a toothpick and like whatever testers and ammo paints I could steal from the local hobby shop. <laughs> Mom wouldn't give you a brush or what? <laughs> no. <laughs> what toothpick, I find man. is what I find is I'll when I'm painting an army to get it done. Um, it'll be good and it'll be like the best stuff every every time I do a new army it's better than the last yeah. um, and then once cool. it's sort of finished and on the table if I then want to go back and add units that's when I suffer I just can't get the motivation yeah. to, to do it to the same standard 
Uh, I'm mm-hmm. at a point where I can't let myself compromise the painting at all. I'd rather have the it's paint tough, and yeah. suck at the game really bad than the alternative. <laughs> I don't know why. I just got myself in this really fucking weird rut where that's how it is and that's how it's always going to be. And it'll probably get worse because the more shit I paint, I feel like I have to keep improving. So that means I have to take even longer and try new techniques and shit. So it's getting painstaking. I'll be like 60 years old before I finish another army. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how often do you paint, Ben? Um, I try and paint every day. I know that sounds crazy, but I've got. I'm lucky enough to have spare room in the house where um, my podcasting tackles tends to be set up. The painting table's set up, so I can. When I'm editing a show, I'll do a bit of painting. Um, when I'm dealing with the um, the stuff that goes with the podcast, so like the forums and that sort of thing, I'll always try and do a bit of painting at the same time. Um, we've got a thing in the UK because there's a massive following in the UK on Twitter, and it's a really good community. Um, and one of the things is hobby time. So people will be tweeting hobby time every day, try and get an hour a day in or half an hour. Um, so one, one of them is if you start, start work at, say, 9 o'clock, so you've got to leave the house at 8, and so say you get up at 7, we'll get up at half 6 and do half an hour in the morning while you have a cup of tea. Um, and it tends to work. I found it. Um, but I'm at the problem now where I've got loads of things half done because I'm a bit of a magpie. I've, I'll flip from thing to thing rather than concentrating. <laughs> My Chaos Dwarfs, I've mm-hmm. got bits half done. I was doing quite well with them. I bought the bought the Iron Demon, got it finished. Then bought 10 Infernal Guard, got them done, moved on to the next 10. And that's when Sam Moore broke me. Um, so um, I hit a wall with them. I didn't want to pay them for because I'd um, So then I started on the, the Plague Plague Toads and the Toad Dragon, and they're half done, and the Skin Wolf's half done. And then I've got, I started doing some Cold One Nights because I'd, I'd not got it. With having 30 Cold One Nights, you'd have thought that'd be enough, but apparently not. I'd got no Cold One Night characters. So I'd had to um, paint some Cold One Night characters. So I've been flitting about quite a lot, but I do try and paint every day, even if it's only for 15 minutes. So how about you guys? Do you do you have to have a, a big painting session when you sit down, or can you do the, the five minutes at a time thing that some people can do? Uh, I probably sit down. If I'm going to sit down and paint, it's going to be for probably 30 to 45 minutes minimum, and then it could go half the fucking day if I get carried away with it, or if I got a good audio book or something going. Oh, they help mm-hmm. so much, don't they? Matt, yeah. Yeah. Audio books. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm currently on Dresden Book 7. Pretty good. <laughs> You've been blitzing mm-hmm. through them then. I read all them. Um, I got a Kindle for my birthday last year. And I, yeah. I, I read them all on the Kindle, the old-fashioned way. Uh, <laughs> I remember you. Well, yeah, I remember you talking about them as you were reading them. So yeah, they're fantastic, it's, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it seemed uh, like you caused quite a spark with that. Cause I think you're the first one I heard really talking about them, and now you hear about them everywhere. So <laughs> oh, they, they were great. I'd not heard about them, and someone says, "Oh, try these books," and it's like I'd look into it, and there was I think there was eleven of them at the time <laughs> I got into it. So yeah. by the time I'd caught up, there'd been another one or another two released. Uh, yeah. So they were great, but I can't do it now since I've got into Audible and I've been listening to the audio book. I just can't read. Um, the only time I get is sort of when I'm in bed and I just fall asleep. Um, yeah. So I've been I've been re- listening to the books instead, and that's loads easier. Well, I think price wise, though, like what what does a Kindle book cost? Oh, about five. Close to the five, cover price five of pounds, like a regular so, book. So like seven or eight dollars. Uh, yeah. Versus over here, I don't know if it's the same there, but like on Audible, I signed up recently after you know you guys were promoting it, and uh, I think it's like forty bucks a fucking book, thirty bucks a book. Unless you get your, you know, like monthly credit that you get for signing up, mm-hmm. which is pretty goddamn pricey. The problem is, is uh, my first one I got was Terry Pratchett, um, the latest one. I don't know, Snuff is it? No, it might have been Snuff. 
Yeah. So it was the latest Toad Pratchett one at the time. Um, and I did it in like two days, 15 hours. <laughs> and it was like, okay, I did another book. And I went on and looked at the prices, and they're so expensive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had to wait for the next month. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to spend what I What I did is, I don't know if I mentioned this on a cast or not, but it worked pretty well. I signed up, and I paid for a month at the normal price, and then I went on there to cancel. And when you try to cancel, they ask why. And I'm like, well, it's too expensive. And then they offer your next three months at $7.50. So they give you half off for three months if you stay with them. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll stay for that. <laughs> so yes. I got three months at half price. <laughs> I'm, I'm sounding like I'm plugging a sponsor now, but I'm really not. Um, the reason we, we sort of had him as a sponsor on the show was because it, it gives the listeners something. We I listen to audiobooks anyway. I don't listen because of their, them being a sponsor. I listen because yeah. I got mm-hmm. into them in the good. Um, and it gives people something for free. So people can just go and listen and get a free book and it doesn't cost them a thing and like you say when you do try and cancel they'll often give you a special offer to stay around for a bit but um i'll happily pay like i think 7.99 pounds um for the uk version of it so i'll happily pay that every month for a decent sort of 20 hour long audiobook so yeah it seems like a good deal to me yeah Definitely worth it. Keeps you motivated to paint. Yeah. You need to get Lord of the Rings. That's if you Oh <laughs> it goes on for so long. But it's good. It's, I, it's a good series. I got the full length Hobbit one sitting there and it's like an old C D thing and it's it's on like ten CDs or twelve CDs or something. It's insanely long. <laughs> I don't think I've ever listened to it. I got it as a gift once upon a time. Oh. When was Is that the last the, um, time? The Rob English one. I'm not sure. I've, I've probably had it for a decade, and but now that would be normal to sit and listen for you know for that long because I do audiobooks. But back when I got it, I'm like, I'm not gonna sit and listen to all this shit. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> now it's totally normal though, so maybe I should break that out next time. I'm waiting for my next Audible credit to land. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I probably haven't probably haven't read that for I don't know over a decade. In the movies, they cut out Tom Bombadil. Um, yeah, he wasn't sure. in the movies. So if you go and listen to the the Rob English version of of Lord of the Rings and the Tom Bombadil section, is fantastic. It's he's singing <laughs> and all sorts and yeah. That's good. what I was gonna say. You don't remember all the weird songs and shit that they sing. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah. what you got Raj. What else? Wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about how much we paint every day. Yeah, so. I, I still I do try to make it an effort to paint. Like on my lunch break every day, I'll try and sit down for thirty or forty minutes, or like right after work, I'll try and sit down before I go lift weights. To work on the house yeah or something. i'll do like 15 or 30 minutes over lunch of just like base work and stuff like that um just to plug away and then usually if i do that then it makes me think about it and yeah. while i'm at work and i get excited and i'd come back home and then do some actual painting just keeps you it keeps it in your mind keeps it fresh seems like if you stop for a day then like it's twice as hard to pick up the brush the next day and then twice as hard after that and it just keeps going yeah. so you can get into a real warhammer funk if you don't stick to it do you guys have a, a painting area that stays set up or do you have to break it down and get it out again every time mine stays set up 99 percent of the time it's right in the middle of my living room on the coffee table i got a nice <laughs> glass coffee table with a steel frame so you can get your legs under it and you work on a glass surface so super glue and paint and all that shit you can just use a razor blade to clean it all off later so it's, it's a pretty nice setup but it is right in the middle of everything so my girl always bitches when we have guests coming over <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a standing desk that pretty much always set up so it's pretty nice i can't imagine if i had to break all that shit down oh yeah yeah, I've got like a six-foot corner table. Like, I got it dead cheap um, locally. It's out of someone's office or something. And uh, <laughs> so I'm quite lucky, but I don't know how long it'll you know, last. As soon as we need a room for something, it'll be the first thing to go, I think. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. All right, one minute. Let me take a break. 
said, something ain't quite right You got the devil on your side, standing to you like, come on You got me in the middle, days are confused I was following a good step, fancy for you for this, something ain't quite right You got the devil on your side, standing to your right, come on Oh, come on, I get along I get along to it yeah so on your paint desk uh what kind of brands of paints will we find um, and what, what kind of brushes new citadel <laughs> i'm gonna sound like an awful fanboy now aren't i so yeah <laughs> i've got games right. workshop paints so just... i say that's probably 90 percent of what i use too the just only... because you can go down to the hobby shop yeah. and pick it up when you need it yeah i well i did want to pick up some of those reaper like three paint kits whatever the hell they call them but now g-dub's pretty much done the same thing with so many shades so I'm I'm eager to try the new paints. When they when they released the new paints, um, they have them in the store to try before they came on sale. So I went down yeah. to Warhammer World and I, they give you a free model and you can have a paint on it. One of the school, <laughs> school Pass High Elves, not School Pass, is it? Island of Blood High Elves. Um, ah. I was painting one of them. Um, got it here actually in front of me. Um, I was painting this fella and uh, the the manager of the store came over and goes, "So what do you think?" Says to him, "You know what? I don't want to sound like a fanboy, but they're amazing." <laughs> 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 brought a handful of your own models down there and just sat there and worked on your own shit. They're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so impressed. Um, it, I don't know. It's, I don't know what it is about them neither. It's hard to pinpoint. Things just small stuff like the washers. You, they were used to be a little too thick, so you'd always have to water them down. So obviously they've stuck a bit of water in for me. One pot makes two now, more money, but I don't care. How kind e- of them. <laughs> it's easier, so I'd rather I'd rather it be easier. The um, the dry brushes I don't really rate, but the bases, the, the base coat red is amazing. Um, it goes straight over black. Um, even if you water it down, it, it'll still really? get a pretty good coverage over black. Um, imagine putting the old blood red over black and thinking how much pain that oh, yeah. is. <laughs> That's not going to work. So, the foundation was pretty good for covering, though. Yeah. The mecha, it, right? Whatever the hell. It was. Yeah, it was, but that used to it used to dry very very quick on your palette. Um, yeah, and it also it used to dry in the pot. It used to get really thick and clumpy. Um, and then when you watered it down, it used to separate. So the water, the pigment used to separate. So it wasn't very good for that. But now the when, uh, oh go ahead, sorry. Sorry, the yeah the the black goes over the the red goes over the black really well. Um, okay. So that's just I mean I've I've spent I've spent a fortune on the paints to be honest, mainly because of the podcast. <laughs> I thought I go out, I spend quite a bit. I buy uh, a wide range of them so I can give my thoughts on on a bit of the whole range, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I am impressed. I've not regretted buying any of them, except maybe the, the 
I don't know, a couple of the dry brush. I've not bought any of the okay. the textures. I didn't rate them. Yeah, I think one of the one bad thing about this new paint range is that like me and Raj, we have just general conversations about anything in the world. We relate the colors of things back to old GW colors. <laughs> so like this guitar case over here is like kind of a bestial brown <laughs> with a little snake bite leather. And this this red here is a real blood red, but now we're gonna have to update all of our color references <laughs> or people aren't gonna know what we're talking about. And one of you will update and the other one won't. So now you won't know what each other are talking about. Yeah, that's the downside of using the same color set for fucking 10 years. You know, all of a sudden, everything's different. And your fucking references are shot in the ass. Uh. I haven't found any that aren't the same color now. You know, like, you have a favorite, you had a favorite color before. Um, I haven't found any paints which are like, oh my god, my favorite color's ruined. Um, <laughs> I've not got to that stage yet, but I'm sure there will be some. They had earlier discounted what, Scaly Green, which was one of my all-time favorite colors. <laughs> I, I've got like three pots of the, the, the Scaly Green, the, the last version of it. So I'm all right. Yeah. That is a nice color. I'm using that on my Toad Dragon. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan oh, of that. Oh, okay. But, uh, okay. Interesting. So, how many tournaments do you actually go to every year? Um, you know what? I, I, I don't know. Um, going back through the years, um, we used to, when I was a Dragon Slayer, the Dragon Slayer website used to have um, a tournament record of what you all the events we've done. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to see that churning through a 15, 16 events a year. Um, now, wow. obviously, we're on Rankings <laughs> HQ, so you see some of them because it's a Rankings event. But like last year, I think I did nine. But then I did um, a team event, um, the ETC team event, the Six Nations event. Um, did a couple of doubles locally or a couple of singles events which weren't ranked. So um, at least 10, maybe more. One a month is a good rule of thumb. Um, mm-hmm. In the summer, it gets a bit quiet around sort of October, November and Jan and Feb is really busy. Um, so yeah, about roughly one a month. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you guys? So, um, we probably six, uh, six-ish, seven. Yeah, I think this year it's almost one a month, except for September, August and September, there's nothing announced yet. But other than that, I think, including Wapaka, which we don't play at, but... Raj Podge. Adepticon. Uh, that's yeah. like three tournaments in one weekend, though, so... Maybe it's closer to eight, yeah, eight or nine. There's yeah. one scheduled for every month in this area. That's the first within year that that's happened. Yeah, say within, I don't know, a six-hour drive. Mm-hmm. Those are the farthest ones. What's the farthest you've driven, Ben? Um, we the South Coast one is the big one over here. So it's the South mm-hmm. Coast Grand Tournament, and that's in a, sort of April time every year. And that is about three and a half, four hour drive. But then okay. I've been I've been to Denmark twice um, to, to play in a singles event, and that was quite good. Going to Copenhagen for the tournament. <laughs> that's for Giant Fanatic. If anyone wants to look it up. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then I've been to the the European Team Championships. I've, this year will be year five, I think. Yeah, my fifth year. So I've been to um, Italy, Germany twice, Switzerland, <laughs> Switzerland, and this year's Poland. And this uh, year, okay. this year I'm going to Denmark in June, and then Poland in August. So two okay. two European ones this year. So okay. we, we get about a bit. So you fly to those? I take it. Yeah, Swims, dude. So some some of them says someone said this year should we drive and. Poland, I think, is 13-hour drives. <laughs> um, no, I don't, fa- don't fancy that. It's not so much a drive in there, because I imagine it would be fun. You know, it all boozed up, someone did it driving, the rest was in the back getting leathered. 
Um, what I don't like <laughs> is the drive home when you've had the, the tournament all weekend, you're hungover. Because um, the Sunday night at the ETC is epic. There's, there's 500 players um, across the two. Well, there were more this year. I imagine they'll be close to 700 this year across the three game <laughs> systems. Um, oh, and then so Sunday night after the tournament's done is just party time, mixing with all the mm-hmm. different nationalities. Um, one of the big things everyone sort of it's grown into a tradition is people will bring their national drink. So the Russians will bring vodka. The uh, <laughs> Norwegians brought doolies. I don't know why, some toffee crap. And also their, the Aquavita, which is like a, a nasty Norwegian liqueur sort of um, spirit. Um, some of these like Eastern European companies are bringing their brewed in the garage, moonshine. It, oh, it's awful. And the, the Scottish will bring awesome. the whiskey. So you'll be drinking. You, it's, it's amazing. So there's dr- drinking... <laughs> from 6 o'clock on Sunday heavily, not just a little bit, proper heavily, until early hours of Monday morning and then driving home. <laughs> Sounds like my idea of hell. I'd rather oh, get yeah. to the airport, go to sleep for a few hours while I wait for your flight, get on the plane and sleep for a few more hours. Sounds better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you ever leave the country for non-Warhammer reasons? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like to get about. Um, I've, never, <laughs> I've never been to America. Um, I would like to do the US sometime. Um, mm-hmm. But I was in, we went to Rome in October for the girlfriend's birthday. Uh, we try and get away quite a bit. Um, okay. I suppose cool. it's, it's it's a weird one talking to Americans about that because you could fly as far as I fly and still stay in the country. So I don't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I'd feel about that. Going on holiday and it's exactly the same as, well, I suppose it's not exactly the same as home, but it's a bit, you know what I mean? It's uh, Yeah, it's very different though, cultural and people-wise, you yeah. know, East Coast versus West Coast. You go to the Deep South if, <laughs> if you want to get weird. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. But. Okay. So... If um, Johnny and myself were to come to the UK next year for a Warhammer tournament, which one should we go to? <laughs> what would you recommend? The South Coast Grand Tournament um, run by Dan from Heel and Hammer. Uh, it's normally around middle towards the or towards the end of April. Uh, this year we had 160 players there. Um, nice. Next year he's talk, he so, I think he sold nearly 200 tickets, so including dropouts and things like that. Um, it was always capped at 160, but he, he had like a, a paid reserves list so people could buy the ticket to guarantee him a place. And he, I think he sold nearly 200 tickets. Um, and next year he's aiming for 170, maybe 180. Um, mm-hmm. So that'd be the one I'd say. Or the Throne of Schools. I know a lot of people sort of turn their nose up at the Games Workshop events now because it's not quite like it used to be. It used to be three heats. So there'll be uh, heat one, heat two, heat three, and then the top 40 or 50 from each heat qualified for the final. Um, and then the final was another free tournament to the winners. Um, that, that went <laughs> mm-hmm. out the window two years, two or three years ago. But the Throne of Schools events are still really good because they're in Warhammer World. So obviously there's not many... I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones playing here regularly. Um, there's not many people that get to see that ever. And then there's mm-hmm. even, even fewer that get to play there regularly. So going to the to Games Workshop, Warhammer World, playing a tournament in the Warhammer World because it's like set out like a cast courtyard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the Throne of Schools would be, would be a good one. But there's plenty in the UK, um, 100 players. I reckon there's six or seven in the year. 100 player event. Mm-hmm. But yeah, South Coast okay. would be the one. Is there like a co- certain composition rules for that one? Or how, how does that work? It's, it's quite relaxed on that one. Um, Dan's sort of philosophy on comp is that stop stop things being from being silly or being game-ending, within making it a non-game, 
Um, mm-hmm. Don't change any rules, so make it as accessible as possible. So even the guys who play regularly in their local games workshop store could come to this event and un- understand it rather than having to do a degree in learning composition rules. Um, <laughs> so it works quite well. Uh, the special characters are like, oh, that's an interesting question, actually, because you guys have been playing yeah. special characters recently. So what are your thoughts yeah. on special characters at tournaments? Uh, personally, I don't usually care for it just because people in pickup games... Uh, just don't usually play with special characters. So some of them can kind of have the potential for changing the rules and stuff. And um, I guess for a tournament where you only play one game against a person, if you're unfamiliar with that special character, you could potentially lose the game just because you don't have any experience against it. Where if you played like against Techless two or three times, you might have a good idea of how to beat them. But if people aren't you know, playing pickup games against Techless every week, you know, they won't know and I feel those people can get some easy wins that maybe aren't deserved just by using them. That's my opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a problem with it, but I would never bring one because I play Beastmen. <laughs> but um, if someone wants to field one, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, but I'm using one. For it. Yeah, I'm using one this weekend just because you can, <laughs> just because it can. So, uh, but it's it's coming more commonplace around here. Oh, seems like yeah, it used to be almost no one would be from every allowed. tournament. Yeah, but yeah. now it's opening up quite a bit. I think the um, reason but, people never used to play them was because back in the old book there was the the line or the paragraph saying you had to get your opponent's permission. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you couldn't write a list and play that same list all the time because some people wouldn't want to play against it. Um, whereas now, that's not in there. It hasn't been in there for years. Um, four or five years since there was last a book, probably maybe more than that actually, since there was last a book produced with the quotes in saying you need an opponent's permission to use this unit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting seeing that the whole attitude towards it change. I mean, in the UK this last year, it's changed quite a bit. A lot of the events now are using allowance mm-hmm. characters, but makes no difference to me. <laughs> they all die. So, so <laughs> you go down to the like your club and play pickup games and people are using them, um, would you say? What tends to happen with our gaming group is we'll always play for the next tournament. So whenever okay. whenever you've got a tournament coming up, everyone will be practicing that, that comp system or that set of rules. So depending on who it is, like Mark, my co-host on the podcast, he plays Tomb mm-hmm. Kinger. Yeah. So he'll, use, he'll always use special characters because Ramhotep just makes a massive difference. So he'll always use He'll use, always use Ramotep or whatever his name is. Um, so I, I don't see a problem. I just see it as another part of the army. But um, yeah. if someone was using Thorak or Teclas every week, I might have a different opinion. Uh, well, see, I think that's the issue with it is when you get when it's allowed in tournaments, some armies have the special characters that really work. And so everybody that can take them takes them because they know it's effective versus, like I said, Beastmen, they're shit. And they, there's nothing worth taking, so you might as well stick to the Slug to the tongue. Yeah. Slug tongue. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. So it is. A, it just skews it a bit, you know. You know, if you're gonna play this army, it's gonna have techless, and you're gonna have to figure out what to do about it. But do you see high elves as being a powerful army? Do they do they win a lot? No, <laughs> negative, no. <laughs> negative. So putting techless in becomes a pain in the ass. But does yeah. do you think it makes the list as a whole overpowered? I I think that like the guy I played, I played him. It was round three, and we both had two wins. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he pulled those wins because he had this crazy he had like four wizards all on it was Laura White, White and uh, Techless and it was super powerful the magic was damn near unstoppable
unstoppable. He's getting 12 dice every round, and everything's fucking irresistible and all this. So uh, I think it makes that army super effective, whereas otherwise it's like, oh, high elves, okay. You know, I, sh- I should be able to get this, no problem. Uh, <laughs> barring any dice catastrophes here. So uh, Yeah, see, the way I'd see that was it makes the high elves viable. Um, if you're a tournament gamer and you're only looking to win, um, you'd never take high elves. Now, you right. might, but I don't know. So then, mm-hmm. then the flip side of that is you come across techless when you're sort of not going out for the cutthroat, and it just it's a non-game, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's not much fun in it because it becomes I, about if you can kill techless or not. It's yeah. kind of well, even then you have to still be able to have killed other shit. But for for my game, when I finally got my best to go in a combat with techless's unit, he had had whatever the spell is that's minus one to hit. I needed sevens to hit Tuckless and anybody in his unit. <laughs> so, I mean, I was, I needed, it was fucking terrible, but eventually got the job done just by throwing enough gore and best of gore in there. But uh, it was hairy. But yeah, you're right. It did make the army effective, whereas it otherwise wouldn't have been. <laughs> it's so. just a shame that it comes down to one character making it effective. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, I don't know. The, I think the jury's still out on the, the whole special character debate. Yeah. yeah. yeah I'm, I'm fine with each tournament. I'm like, it's your tournament. Do whatever the hell you want. I don't like where they allow some special characters or allow all of them except like Thorek and Teclas. I think, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing is interesting. We only have one tournament around here that actually restricts your unit choices at all. And that's the North Star, where you can only have so many bow shots, um, so many war machines, stuff like that. And then they add a lookout, sir, for like dreaded 13th and stuff like that. That's the only tournament like that around here. It seems, uh, just from listening to the, to the podcast over there, seems like most tournaments kind of make adjustments like that. Is that a correct assessment? Yeah, I think that's pretty right. Um, there's not all that many. In fact, there's a tournament called No Holes Barred. No Holes Barred? Something like that. I don't know what <laughs> it. <laughs> One of the big things he sort of promoted his event being was that you could take whatever you want, no loopholes are barred, bring the filthiest things. Um, what it should actually have been titled was Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? um, and even then he went and changed stuff. <laughs> he gives some lookout serves to the, the dwellers and things like that. Um, so that's the, the sort of attitude in the UK. There's not many tournaments that do let you just play Warhammer out of the book. Um, the Throne of Schools, the Games Workshop events, I think there's four of them a year or three of them a year. You just play Warhammer at them, but for the most part, there's degrees and degrees of restrictions. Why do you think you guys prefer to do, to do it that way? Um, I don't Compared know. to the US, we're just <laughs> wide open. Do you want the, the nice point of view, what I should say? <laughs> do whatever you want. A pillar of the community, or uh, I think people, <laughs> people don't like getting the face smashed <laughs> you feel yeah, yeah we don't have the hard boys style events over here where you bring whatever you want and the idea is to smash your opponent over here it's more sort of soft score orientated and play nice and friendly games and people don't like um i don't think people like the idea of um losing to a, a list um yeah <laughs> so i don't know when it was, it was amazing when the the edition first came out because all the people who were really like that, really in that sort of campers, we, we don't like anything that can just win the game. And mm-hmm. obviously, the, the first time they got the general dwelled off, and then yeah. it happened again <laughs> next game. Purple sign, and, yeah. Yeah, and then next game again, and then next game again. And every time they're running the general straight at this wizard that's got dwellers, so they're coming within 12 inches, easy to cast. <laughs> um, 
not changing the battle plan. It's that sort of, it's easy to comp it. Um, but then some of my friends who work for Games Workshop only ever play in the Games Workshop stores or the Throne Schools events. That's the plan. It's, yeah, I'm going to do this, 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 and cast dwellers, and that's the game plan. That's how warm. <laughs> Why wouldn't that be your plan? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the, the community in the UK have always, uh, the WPS back in the day, always had a strong comp system, um, even back in like 4th and 5th edition. And it's just a progression from then. It's such a small, um, it's a big community. We've got, I think, on the rankings HQ, there's like 2,000 separate over 2,000 separate players entered in tournaments in the last three or four years in the UK um, in a in an area which you can drive from one end to the other two in sort of 10 hours. So you, you get the community all knows each other. The players, are, you always see the same sort of faces. So when once it starts going towards one direction, it can soon steamroller in that direction. The comp, comp thing sort of, it, it becomes the norm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think like it used to be here, people were more into soft scores and that kind of stuff. But the last few and the ones going forward seem to be making a turn the other way now. Like special characters are allowed, less comp. Like the zero twenty system. Yeah. We just had that in the last year. What do you think to that? Uh, What's that? What do we think of it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I like it. I yeah. Like I like it better it. better than like the old five ten fifteen or you know one two three whatever the hell they were doing before. I think it's it encourages you to actually play the game till the end, even if you're losing, and mm-hmm. you know that makes for a funner time for everybody. Even if you got a freaking sour puss on, you're still playing and you're still trying to be in it. So. Mm-hmm. And it gives a shot for the people who aren't that great of painters but are really awesome at the game. <laughs> to just crush them and they still have a shot at the overall where maybe previously it just wasn't really possible to have an average army and still win the tournament yeah I like to see it mixed up a bit, so I like to see a few different events, because you keep doing oh. the same one, and it, you start getting a bit stale, so it's nice to have a yeah. variety, which I think we do over here. It is it is good that um, you play comp events. Certainly with us, um, the ETC being in my sort of gaming groups and the guys I speak to a lot, it's such a strong part of the community. Um, all the games are geared towards ETC-style comp, so come August, after the tournament's done, the first thing you want to do is go and play no comp. <laughs> <laughs> Get the dwellers out and stop purple sunning and all that sort of thing. And yeah, it's, it's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool that you have enough players and enough tournaments that you can pick and choose which ones you want to go to. And there'll still be like a ton of people there playing with you who agree. So I think that's cool. Oh, no, no, no. You got me wrong. They, they never agree. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it is good. We do have a, a fantastic community in the UK. Um, so we're lucky. Mm-hmm. I'd say we do too. It's just so damn spread out there. You see the same faces at the tournaments. You talk to the same people, and it's all really awesome bunch of dudes. But you, know, you don't just don't see them as often because yeah. they travel so far. I think maybe some of the reason why the tournaments are wide open around here is we don't have that many people, so tournament organizers just don't necessarily want to alienate anyone from coming. So that might be a reason why we're wide open. But okay, well, that's all the questions we had for you. Uh, do you have any questions for us? Yeah, I've got a few. So the ETC, <laughs> do you? Um, I've just mentioned it a few times in the show. Is it on your guys' radar at all? No. That's no. the people here that go to that, they're all East Coasters. Um so, you know, if we were to drive, that's probably a sixteen hour drive out there. Who knows how far it is? And I don't I think I've met like one or two guys from out that way. They'll come out to Adepticon or maybe some of the other tournaments around here. But uh, other than that, I I know that the American ETC's team was 
at Adepticon playing, um, mm-hmm. but now nah, we don't we don't even consider it because whoever's organizing it, we have no idea who they are. <laughs> so, just dealing with way too many miles in between us to make it happen. I think. Yeah, I can imagine. Because uh, I met I met the American guys, um, the ETC team. They're a good bunch of lads. So, but it is odd that I'm sure the various areas. You know, I mean, the, the like I said, just the East Coast and the West Coast. Never mind the North, the East, Southeast, Midwest. Yeah, yeah everywhere. Midwest. Like, Texas. Texas. Or, we could almost send an ETC team from every region of the states. <laughs> Midwest, bro. <laughs> Represent. So I've heard talk of uh, uh, an American team championships happening. I think there's one this year. Um, would that be something really? you guys would do? Sending a team from Possibly. your area? Yeah, I haven't even heard of that. But if, if it was going down and it was, you know, <laughs> especially if it was in the Midwest, it would be <laughs> it depends where it happens. Because, you know, once again, if it's on the West Coast or if it's down in Texas or even if it's out east, it's just too far to go. This year, I'm making my farthest tournament trip, actually in like three weeks, out to Nebraska, which is, I guess that's still Midwest, but it's pretty much the fucking middle of nowhere, and it's a nine-hour drive, nine and a half hours, whatever. Um, Alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alone. Just Dresden yeah. to come for you. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Dresden will keep me. He'll <laughs> be talking to him. What do you think about this one, Harry? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I think that'd be really cool to get an American thing together here, and then we send whoever wins that shit over to Europe to play for us all, then at least we'd all feel like we had some part in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, sounds cool. That would be good. So what about um, tournaments? If I was to come over to the States, then where should I go? Adepticon's obviously the, the big one I hear talked about a lot. Yeah, I think Adepticon, if, if you came out to play, or if you came out to hang out and have fun and you ended up playing at Adepticon, you'd find yourself way too busy, and I don't think you'd have the kind of fun you'd want to have. Uh, last year, the Australian guys were up um, and uh, Podhammer guys, and they like the whole time they just want to run around and party, which I totally understand. But you know we're all gaming all weekend from like 8 a.m. until 10 p.m., so you really don't have the time to hang out and chill like you'd like to. So I think best bet come over for Wapak. <laughs> <laughs> Put your five bucks in, yeah. might win yourself a ticket. <laughs> so, but you know something like that is a lot more casual, and you still got tons of people hanging around, drinking, partying, just talking, having a good time. Yeah. Much more so than Adepticon. It always seems like one of the just insanely busy times. Now, if your goal was to come over and meet as many people as possible and not really do so much gaming, then Adepticon would probably be really good for you because everybody goes to it. Mm-hmm. But as far as other maybe tournaments, well, PACA is definitely probably the most social one, but yeah. it's in the middle of winter, so yeah. you might get to experience that. Otherwise, if you were going to come over uh, maybe during the summer, if you're going to do a couple other things while you were here, maybe Blood in the Sun is kind of in the Chicago Chicago area, so that's a, a nice social one. And then yeah, the North Star GT is in November, so it'd be a little colder. That's in the Twin Cities, so both of those are major airports you could go to. And the North Star one's a little more uh, comped of the two tournaments, yeah. So that'd be more similar to a UK style, I guess. But um, for for two days, yeah, either one of those is, is good. I'd say everybody that's ever come out to Wapaka has had great things to say about it too. So <laughs> despite yeah. the weather being total shit, yeah, basically it's like a Warhammer camp because <laughs> no one can go outside mm-hmm. <laughs> wouldn't you in you staying <laughs> yeah well this year weather-wise it was all right but last year i was like negative 15 degrees overnight fahrenheit so, yeah. yeah 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 fahrenheit when i went to leave my fucking car just completely was dead <laughs> so cold yeah that was at like two or things, three in the morning things stopped working yeah. <laughs> it's like when the germans tried to assault russia <laughs> eventually everything just fucking freezes and the whole front comes to a stop <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a good experience 
put some hair on your chest. <laughs> I love you, beer at Wapaka. <laughs> you want to come out to a beer event, man. Best Wisconsin brewers on tap for three dollars a pint, which is pretty damn good price. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does sound good. Um, so I don't know. Question on that is gone. See, so you're making me laugh and forgetting all my all my. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's about it for me. Okay. Yeah, all right. Well, that was, that was a good time. Hopefully, this this recording comes out. I swear to God, I'm gonna smash this computer. <laughs> Fail the second one. Okay. Yeah, that was awesome. It was great talking. All right. Well, yeah. thanks a lot for having us on. Um, we we'll have to get you guys on over on Bad Dice. Um, some yeah. Sort of sure. I suppose I should plug it really, shouldn't I? For anyone who's who's not sure what who um, because they might have just heard who's this Ben bloke? Why have they got him on? So, <laughs> so they, they can find me over at baddice.co.uk. UK's take on Warhammer, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Very, Next very time informative. We'll, we'll have to get Mark and Gareth on too. I think that'd be pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot for having us on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah man. Let us, let us know when you want us to come on. We can cool make this happen again. Maybe we can you get can. Queen when Mark and Gareth are here and we can have um, have us all on. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah, yeah those guys maybe we'll find the fun. bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Six guys on one Warhammer cast. overload, yeah. You could never get a fucking sentence out. <laughs> uh, definitely not. <laughs> all right, suck my balls. That's my bees. Do you like suck my share? balls. Did you see the stylish kids in the riot Shoveled up like mugs, said the night on fire Wombles bleed, truncheons and shields You know I cherish you, my love But there's rumors spread nasty disease around town You cut on the houses with your trousers down A head rush, and in the bush You know I cherish you, my love Tell me what can you want Now you've got it all I've seen is obscene Time will strip it away A year and a day I'll build bones Build bones Knows what I really know It's eating It's chewing me up It's not right The young lungs Keep me coughing up blood And it's all It's all in my hands And it's all up the walls Stale chips are up and the hope stakes are down It's all these ignorant faces that bring this town down In the side and some cool with pride But I pass myself down on my knees Yes, I pass myself down on my knees Now tell me what can you want Now you've got it all, all the scene is obscene Time will strip it away, a year and a day I'm Bill Bones, Bill Bones knows what I mean Distress incites the rant of an Englishman in a baseball cap And will die in the class we were born Well, that's a class of our own, my love A class of our own, my
Nick's just oozing <laughs> green stuff through the front of his pants. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're easily pleased, aren't we? Yeah. 